0: Welcome to episode 89 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian here in Charleston, South Carolina. We're here on a very rainy Friday morning, Mm a lot of puddles uh, in the streets here, a lot of bad driving. (laughs) Uh, If you're not careful, if you're walking along King Street, you may get splashed, (laughs) Uh, but it's good to be here with my two uh, dear brothers in Christ, uh, Dr. Gabriel Williams and the almost Reverend (laughs) Michael Bauer who will be ordained on November the 21st. Fourth. 24th, 4th. that's right. So mm-hmm. thank you. I'm glad I won't show up on the 21st. <laughs> um, November the 24th in our evening service. Uh, we are delighted uh, to take part in that with you, Michael. And uh, we're so thankful to God that you, you made it. <laughs> you made it through. You made it, yeah. And what a lot of our 24th. listeners won't uh, completely understand uh, is all of the toil and the mm-hmm. sweat and the tears that goes into coming to this point where the elders will lay hands on you and set you apart this isn't just one day you woke up and thought you know i'm going to become a pastor and uh you go to one of the leaders and then we take you to the side and lay hands and ordain you um this is a long process isn't it uh, yes. why do you just in summary give our listeners a, uh, a, a summary of that process
1: well uh, uh Certainly a prerequisite for uh, ordination is a, a master of divinity or a master's degree um, in theology. And so uh, that's a three to four year process.
0: Rigorous theological study.
1: Right. Um, it is uh, not for the faint of heart, certainly. Um, so that, that is a, a big uh, part of it. Um, but then after that, after the, after you write all those papers and read all those books and, um, uh, and graduate... There is uh, the the trials of ordination in a specific presbytery of the PCA. So, in the Low Country Presbytery um, and in the PCA in general, there are six written exams that are required, where um, uh, on various topics, um, and uh, we have to I ha- have to write those exams that are very lengthy and um, very time consuming. Um, it took me
0: twelve hours. Yeah, <laughs> I took one break.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it was 12 hours. I remember yeah. it well. Yes, it, it is a long process. Um, and then after those are completed, you, I sat down with the, um, with the committee. Uh, and from the Presbyterian Credentials presbytery.
0: Committee, yeah. yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Credentials Committee, and we sat, uh, sat down and, and walked through those exams, um, clarifying anything that I, that I wrote uh, that needed to be clarified or expanding where I, I didn't give enough. Um, and just making sure that they knew I know what I'm talking about. And um, after that, that was about an hour and a half or so uh, with the committee. Um, after that, uh, they they approved me, um, and then
0: and recommended um, then you to the, the presbytery. To presbytery, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. So then last week, last Thursday, uh, November the seventh, um, I stood before the presbytery and, and preached a sermon. Um, uh, from Galatians chapter 3 and then um, was examined on the floor by the presbytery. Um, So the the chairman of the committee asked specific questions on the the different topics uh, that I had to take those exams in um, and then he opened up the questions to the floor and and I was asked uh, a number of different things from from ministers and elders on the floor.
0: Sure, and uh, all of that was uh, pass. Uh, you, you, you passed uh, with, without any question, and uh, so uh, congratulations, brother. Thank you. Yeah, Mark. we're so so thankful. We we do believe in an educated ministry right. uh, in the PCA, and uh, we would never want to go to uh, an attorney mm-hmm. who didn't go to graduate school and learn about law, we would never want to go to a medical doctor <laughs> who didn't go to medical school to learn human anatomy, mm-hmm. uh, and so we are. Physicians of the souls, we are to be uh, workmen in the word, and we can't do that without proper preparation. And so we we thank God for uh, the Lord raising you up and now um, launching you into a lifetime of, of ordained ministry. And uh, the main task uh, that you have, and that all uh, ordained ministers have, is to preach the word. Uh, we are to be preachers of the word. We learn a lot about that in our homiletics classes in yes. seminary. Uh, we talk a lot about it in, in fellowship together with uh, fellow ministers and, and, mm-hmm. and, and future ministers. But the one thing perhaps we don't talk about uh, enough uh, in the life of the church is how to be a good listener of sermons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just pastors that need to study how to faithfully preach biblical sermons, but congregants uh, need to understand how to listen well uh, to sermons, mm-hmm. uh, how to listen to and appropriate to take in the word as it's being proclaimed uh, to them Lord's Day after Lord's Day. And uh, we have uh, in the Westminster Larger Catechism uh, a question and Mm -hmm. an answer, a very helpful uh, and fairly uh, thorough answer Mm -hmm. about uh, how to listen to the word of God uh, in public worship as it's being preached. And question 160 of the Larger Catechism asks this, What is required of those that hear the word preached? Again, what is required of those that hear the word preached? The answer is, It is required of those that hear the word preached, that they attend upon it with diligence, preparation, and prayer, examine what they hear by the scriptures, receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind, as the word of God, meditate and confer of it, or discuss it, hide it in their hearts, and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives. Uh, now, what we want to do in this episode is simply walk through each of these uh, clauses of this answer and uh, and consider what it means to be a good listener uh, of preaching and to understand what is required of those that hear the word preached Uh, when Jesus was transfigured. We have this in Matthew 17, uh, a voice uh, from the cloud that overshadowed uh, Christ uh, declared, this is the voice of the Father, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Uh, We are first and foremost as disciples of Christ meant to listen to Christ, to listen to his word. He is wisdom from God. He is the way, the truth and the life and he uh, proclaims God's truth to us. He is God's truth to us and his word, the Word of Christ, uh, Romans 10:17 is that which we must hear because when we hear the Word of Christ faith is created in us and faith is nourished. Mm-hmm. And so the Word of Christ is not just the, the letters in red, uh, it's <laughs> everything from Genesis to Amen. Revelation, for Christ is the Word uh, of God. And so let's open up this uh, time to, to consider some of these aspects. And Let's begin by um, looking at this first section. It is required of those that hear the Word preached that they attend upon it with diligence. What does that mean, to attend upon it with diligence? When you... If you take the idea
2: of diligence in any other field, you're thinking of devotion. You're thinking of commitment. You're thinking of, in yourself, if I truly want to know something, and we do this with all things, even when we think about hobbies. If you want to do a hobby, well, you prepare yourself for it. You get all this background information. In today's era, you get a lot of YouTube videos. You study. You pay. So you're paying very close attention. And... The point of this is to simply say that there's the tendency to say, or there's a tendency for when a minister preaches, for you to be so distracted it goes in one ear and just kind of goes out the other ear. Or passive. Or completely passive. We don't
0: get passivity out of this response, do we, about what's required for the listening? It's It's
2: diligent and active listening. And some of you probably have done some sort of education sort of classes when you've heard the difference between passive listening and active listening. And much of that has to do with the posture of the mind it has to do with just in the practical sense you can tell if someone is checking out in your mind just based on how they lean in their chair for instance a lot of these things are basically the saying that you have to uh, take the reins of your mind and focus it with pinpoint
0: a precision yeah. to pay attention let me ask you this as a college professor <laughs> you you have students sitting in right. front of you all the time, oh, and is it pretty easy to tell from their posture whether or not they're engaged? Yeah, you can you can see <laughs>
2: you can see when they walk in the room, um, <laughs> right? But it, it's a it's a reality of all yeah. times when you have to listen right. to someone speak. Is that even on a one-on-one conversation? You know the difference between someone who's just saying yeah yeah you yeah, I hear you, versus someone who is paying attention. They're processing while you're talking. And that's another uh, means of when you hear the word diligence, you're processing what's being heard while the person is talking. And that means you're actively engaged. Uh, the way I, I heard a uh, old pastor refer to it when I was a very young Christian is that you have to interact with the preacher. So when the preacher is speaking to you, you need to engage in it as if you are the one he's speaking to directly. And take it to heart and Make it directly personal, since that diligence means that it's not just a amorphous amount of people that right. the pastor is speaking to generically. To be diligent means that he is speaking this to you because it's God's word to you, yeah. and yeah. therefore you need to be engaged. You need to ask yeah. questions yeah. in your mind while yeah. it's going on.
0: And perhaps it, it, it's it's necessary to say <laughs> in our day and age as well that to to. Uh, uh, to attend upon it with diligence means that we just need to be there correct <laughs> to right attend there. upon it with yes. diligence means you're actually there you 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 you're you're sitting under the word and so yeah. you're you're not forsaking the gathering of God's people but exactly. you are attending unto it with diligence, they use the proof text, Proverbs 8.34, Blessed is the man that hears me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. Speaking of wisdom in that particular passage. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, so attending upon it with diligence. Uh, you need to be there. We need mm-hmm. to uh, to be there to eagerly listen to it. And then, and then it speaks of preparation next. To attend upon it with diligence and preparation. Uh, what do we want to say about this?
1: This is sort of our, our posture before the service, right? We need to make sure that we're not coming um, with all the, the, the cares and worries of our week and bringing all of that in, in our minds to worship, right? We need to prepare our, ourselves, even Saturday night, for uh, the Lord's Day.
0: And what are, some, what are some practical ways to prepare ourselves for the hearing of God's Word?
2: Simplest things to do would be to think about the sleep you get before, sleep that uh, Saturday evening before. If you know you're going to listen to a 30 to 40-minute sermon, this is what we do for our kids. Make sure, have you gone to the bathroom beforehand? Uh, If you have kids around you, make sure that all of their other sort of things in which can get you distracted are kind of Mm. minimized in some sense. Uh, Think to yourself, uh, just if you wake up on a Sunday morning are hunger pains causing you to be distracted from what you would right. ordinarily hear. So there are a lot of physical basic things that you ought yeah. do for preparation. But then awesome, w- yeah. when you're getting into the mental engagement mm-hmm. of a sermon, you basically need to think in your mind in terms of, particularly in our church, most sermons have a pretty clear outline. So you're kind yeah. of looking at major heads of points as they're basically being given to you. Now, this is consistent with, uh, there's an old book that used to be called, well, it's still called an old book called How to Read a Book mm-hmm. by Mortimer Adler. Mm-hmm. And the basic premise of the book is that you have to train yourself how to read well. Mm-hmm. You can't just assume yes. that if you skim yeah. through the pages, you yeah. get the content. The same is true about listening to something. Right. You have to train yourself to listen to major points, of uh, supporting points under mm-hmm. that, and you have to basically follow the logical progression of the
0: arguments right and there. And it's important as well, isn't it, to read the Bible throughout yes. the week. Yes. So if you think of your heart as a garden, mm-hmm. if if you're not tilling up, mm-hmm. watering, planting seeds, giving light to your garden all week, mm-hmm. and then you enter into uh, the worship service, uh, it's it's often going to be the case that. Uh, the seeds that are coming to you on the Lord's Day on Sunday morning, Sunday evening are, are not going to plant very deeply oh, because your heart has been focused on solely on the cares of the world. Mm-hmm. You've not been prayerful. You've not uh, been uh, diligent to read the scriptures throughout the week. And so when it's time to hear uh, an extended exposition of God's word on the Lord's Day, you tend to not be in the right frame of mind or the right spiritual frame, right, right. To, to receive that. And so preparation is uh, it's important. And, you know, when I think about the times when I've um, run races, you know, uh, some, some shorter, some longer, let's use the marathon as, a, as an example you're really careful about how you prepare in the days leading up. Now, Mm -hmm. in the months leading up to it, you prepare, but let's just think about the days leading up to it. I mean, you are thinking about every single thing you're putting into your body, Mm -hmm. right? And especially the morning of the marathon, (laughs) you are thinking about what to put into your body so that you can be best prepared and have the right kind of fuel in your body to help you to finish well the the 26.2 mile race. Well, when it comes to uh, the Lord's Day, when it comes to preparing to hear God's Word, well, uh, Gabe said it earlier. There are there are physical things to think about, mm-hmm. uh, and then we've just mentioned the spiritual as well. So, uh, so we we prepare, we attend upon the preaching of the Word diligence and also preparation. And then, of course, we've mentioned it already, but the Westminster Assembly uh, emphasizes prayer. Amen. Why is prayer so important to? Uh, to uh, engage in prior to, to preaching, whether it's throughout the week and or even uh, before the service or even just before the sermon? Uh, uh,
1: I think one aspect of that is is recognizing the fact that without the, the Holy Spirit's help, we won't be able to understand what is preached. Amen. Uh, and so we pray that the Spirit would, uh, would illumine the text for us yeah. as He promises to do. as the the word promises will be done also um pastors need prayer uh to preach well um i know that pastor john your your week just as a a snapshot this week was a very busy one for you and you're preaching twice on sunday i (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. get ready uh so you need prayer uh just the 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 um physical stamina it, it takes um, to preach two sermons in a Sunday, but also the, the preparation that your, that your mind and heart would be uh, as full of the text as, as,
0: uh, as, as you're preaching to us. Amen. And what happens, it's, it's kind of like when you start praying for someone's yeah. soul, a neighbor, mm-hmm. you start praying that they would be saved. Mm-hmm. What happens the next time you see them? You're, you're more inclined to yeah. share the gospel with them. And to be a part of what it is that prayer compel, compels us to do, to be obedient yes. to the Lord and great commission, right? It's similar when you pray for your minister mm-hmm. in the preparation of the preaching. Yeah. Because as you're praying for him all week long, and then you sit down and open your Bible up on the Lord's day, and he begins to preach to you, aren't you going to be more inclined to listen better? Right. And, uh, and of course, all week long, you're saying, Lord work in my life as, as pastor preaches God's word mm-hmm. uh, to me. And of course, we have the prayer of illumination
1: yes.
0: uh bookending yes. the sermon. And the reason why we pray before, right before the sermon and right after the sermon is because, as you say, Michael, apart from the work of the Spirit, uh, these things will not uh, be pressed home. One of the things that the
2: scriptures speak about often is the fact that, as was mentioned, the hearing of the word of Christ requires faith to be there and the warnings of the New Testament I think of the book of Hebrews in particular Mm. of the warnings from that uh, particular book about paying attention how you hear Mm. because the nation of Israel did not listen with faith and therefore the word they hear did not profit them and the consequence to that or you're supposed to learn from that basic point is that Lord I need to have my heart softened I need Mm -hmm. to have my mind focused and i need to have my eyes open to understand the scripture so one of the proof texts in this particular section is psalm one nineteen eighteen, 18 which says open my eyes that i may behold wonderful things out of your law the prayer to open the eyes of mm. our heart to understand what's being said is vitally important mm. otherwise the sermon will just be like anything else that you may hear, that you may take a couple of good nuggets here or there and kind of move on your way. The reality is that the whole Word of God is spiritual and is meant to pierce your heart mm-hmm. and is meant to uh, transform who you are. And that only do- is done when the Holy Spirit works through it. And prayer is one of the means by which God works uh, through our
0: listening to sermons. Amen. Um the next section, next next clause uh, in this answer, question 160 of the larger catechism, says that it's required of those who hear the word preached to examine what they hear by the scriptures, yeah. to examine what they hear by the scriptures. And of course, uh, the, the proof text here is Acts 17, verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. And speaking of the Bereans there. So there was this group of, of earnest uh, believers who were not just taking everything in at face value, but were examining the scriptures to see if what the preachers were saying were was correct, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is something we, we talk about all the time, Um on this podcast, also from the pulpit, how important it is to have our Bibles out during the preaching. Uh, Could there be anything more simple and more straightforward regarding listening well to the Word of God than having it on your lap and looking down at it as the pastor is saying, okay, now let's look at verse 3. And you read it, and while you're reading it, you're looking down at your text, and uh, it is people are distracted in our day. People do have shorter attention spans. And the reason that is, and we've talked about it before, is, is modern technology. Uh, you're, you know, anybody could be an actor these days. I say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating here, but just about <laughs> anyone could be an actor or an actress today. You know why? Because clips in movies now are like three seconds. <laughs> right. You don't have to learn long sets of lines. You can learn the lines right, right before you say them. Uh, right before the next um, scene. And uh, that's the world we live in. We live in a world where movies are cut up into three-second increments. Um, we are, we live in a world where people re- just read headlines. Uh, articles that are over 500 words are only for the highly educated, right, these days, apparently. <laughs> and so attention spans have, have certainly uh, decreased. Um, and uh, so... So if that is the case with, with you, if you're listening to this podcast, you find yourself having a hard time sustaining your focus during a sermon, have your Bible open and take some notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are times when I am sitting under the preaching of, of someone else and, and I, I get tired and I get distracted. And so it always helps to take out a pen or a pencil mm-hmm and to begin writing down the things that the pastor is saying. Mm -hmm. And not only can you refer to that a little later, but it keeps you focused in the moment as well, Mm -hmm. right? One of the things I'll also add,
2: and this is just my personal experience, is that when you're under the word of God and it's being faithfully preached, if you have your Bible open, oftentimes the minister is teaching you how to interpret the Bible (laughs) in a lot of ways. And you can, if they're doing their job well, you can see their flow of argument, how they look at a text. And if you're under a ministry like ours that does expository preaching, you're probably going to end up in passages that you probably either skimmed past or you just kind of overlooked because you have other more important things in your mind to think about. But if you have a minister there who has been uh, trained to divide the word of God properly and you're sitting there with your Bible open and he's walking through the passage, you can kind of begin connecting the dots in your mind. And so one of my blessings I've had over uh, the bulk of my Christian life has been I've had ministers who just opened the Bible and when they walked through passages, they did it in such a way that I can follow their arguments. And that means that it improves my own personal study of the scripture and also improves my overarching understanding of what the Word of God is and what the themes are in particular scriptures so example would be from Christchurch the years that John went through the book of Luke there are lots of little sections in Luke that is, was somewhat difficult for me to understand yeah. by itself and just having John just go through it kind of passage by passage you get nuances that you didn't see there You get big picture background that wasn't there probably in your regular reading, and it helps to see the themes connect uh, much more. So examining what you hear from a sermon is not just required from the sense of making sure that the minister is doing his job well. It actually has a benefit towards the hearer. You get to see how the Bible ought to be interpreted.
0: The next uh, clause says that it's required uh, of those who hear the word preached to receive the truth with faith, yeah. to re- receive it with faith. Um, Gabe, you, you touched upon this just a few minutes ago uh, with yeah. the, the Old Testament people of Israel. Yeah, uh, and the book of Hebrews hammers this uh, point
2: home constantly that take heed of what you hear, lest it slip away from you, lest what you hear is not mixed with faith and you end up in the exact same position as the Old Testament a Jewish nation. The reality is that it's easy to hear a sermon and just to say I get it intellectually or it's easy to hear a sermon and say I just reject it outright. Mm-hmm. The ability to hear a sermon and receive it with faith means you are appropriating its truth to your heart and that means since the word of God is being preached to you you're saying that this word was crafted for me in God's providence and therefore
0: I should receive it as if the word, well, as it is the word of God being preached to you. Yeah, so faith is is like a muscle in that it must be exercised Mm -hmm. to stay fit and to stay strong. Mm -hmm. And so if we come to the sermon and we're just sitting passively, um, distracted, half asleep, Mm -hmm. thinking about what's gonna happen that afternoon, uh, then of course we're not going to gain much but if we are exercising this faith that God has given us as a gift, mm-hmm. and we are, by exercising it, receiving the truth of God's Word and, and appropriating it and praying and asking God to apply it to our lives and thinking about how we will respond to it uh, in our lives, that is, that is what we are to be uh, uh, in, our, in our, uh, active, uh, uh, our active receiving uh, and responding to uh, the preaching of God's word. So, you know, the, it, again, uh, the, there is, I think, the idea in people's minds when they come to the sermon that they're passive, that the mm-hmm. pastor is doing all the work. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Not The Holy Spirit's at work, but the listeners are at work as well, mm-hmm. uh, actively exercising faith and uh, receiving that word uh, as truth for life. Now, it says also it should be received with love. What do you think they're getting at there? Well, uh- Simply put, do you love the Word of God as is preached?
2: Meaning, do you love God's Word enough to treasure it? And so if you look at the actual scriptural um, proof text here, it's coming from Second Thessalonians, and it refers to a passage that, if you read that on a faith value, it's a passage on the Antichrist. But <laughs> one of the lessons from that passage is the reason that they were <laughs> deceived by the Antichrist in that passage is because they did not have a love for the for truth, the truth right. so as to be saved. And that's the point to hammer home is that it's not enough just to know the truth. You must love the truth enough to
0: basically be devoted to it. Yes. And why, and why do we love the word? Because we love <laughs> God. Amen. It's his word. <laughs> right. Why would we not love his word if, <laughs> if, uh, if we love God? And, yeah. and so this is very important that we approach the preaching of the word with, with love. Right. Yeah. Amen. Uh, And and also uh, it says here, with meekness, interesting uh, word there, uh, uh, the commands to receive the word with meekness, Um, this of course would be... uh, uh, the kind of receiving that would be different from someone who is uh, coming as a know-it-all uh, mm-hmm. or with pride, with arrogance. What do you got for me today, Pastor? Mm-hmm. How you How are you gonna impress me? How are you gonna make things relevant for me? Uh, I've had a bad week, Pastor. Fix it, you know, or, or, or whatever. Whatever kind of a, a negative or bad attitude one would come to the preaching with, here one comes with meekness. Mm-hmm. And I, I once heard meekness described as being a lion for the Lord's cause and a lamb for our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I've heard meekness mm-hmm. called, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's related to gentleness. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a kind of, there's a, there's a teachable spirit, mm-hmm. right? Uh, not one that's, that's coming with, with arrogance and pride and thinking one knows it all. Um, we must
1: all humbly submit ourselves to the word. Yes. To the teaching of the word, to the truth of the word. And if we don't come with meekness, with humility,
2: then we're we're in some ways placing ourselves over the word, as if we know more than God. Exactly. And it's an application of what all Protestants believe that yeah. the Scripture is the only infallible mm-hmm. truth that has been given to us by God. And if that's true, that means we are under it by definition. But I also think this is—I find this an interesting statement because the for most people to receive something in a teachable way means that there has to be a relationship between the congregation and the minister. And so it's not accidental in the catechism that question 159 is regarding how is the word to be preached by those who are called.
1: That's right. And
2: so you can kind of think of this as a trust. The reason that a congregant will sit humbly and meekly hear the word preached is because they trust that their ministers actually preaching the word of God correctly Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's actually the real issue sometimes you just there are situations that some may be in where you have reason to be suspicious over what's being taught to you because it can be hit or miss or simply put they're just not doing their job Mm -hmm. but if a minister has proven himself to be a steward of God's word and is doing it faithfully that means you have no reason for that type of suspicion. And thus, you can actually sit humbly and receive it and Mm -hmm. don't have to have the mentality where Mm
0: I'm basically ready to critique you as soon as you leave the pulpit (laughs) sort Mm -hmm. of mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, one thing I've noticed over the last decade is the profound lack of discernment amongst evangelicals so Mm -hmm. that someone could listen to... You know, uh, R.C. Sproul one minute, and then listen to Joel Osteen the next minute, and they're like, they think both of them are just great. You know, they're basically both teaching uh, the same uh, thing, and um, you know, I think it's 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 important that we aren't suspicious of our ministers but also we need discernment don't we Amen. uh and 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 it's it's knowing the word mm-hmm. of course uh being in the word throughout the week knowing the word that then helps us to discern when things are not being taught properly that's right so that when you have a charlatan you mm-hmm. know who's making tens of millions of dollars off of off of 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 you know, well-meaning Christians who are watching their TV shows and sending them money, and mm-hmm. so they can buy their new jet and all these things. Um, uh, so that you you recognize, like, this is not right. Something something's not right about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so we receive it with meekness uh, and with love, uh, but uh, you know with readiness of mind as well, and and, and that that includes discernment. Mm -hmm. And so we want to have readiness of mind. We sort of uh, covered that already earlier, I think. Yes,
2: the same passage of the Bereans, that they're known for being more noble because they were examined and they were basically known as being ready of mind to
0: do it properly. Yes, and then it ends this this sort of long sentence by saying uh, that we receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind, as the word of God, and the um, uh, the uh, proof text is from First Thessalonians two thirteen. For this cause also uh, we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually works also in you that believe. Uh, so. This is bringing up an important um, question. Uh, what is being proclaimed when the pastor is proclaiming uh, right. the Bible uh, in, his, in his sermon, when he's teaching on the Bible? Uh, the, the Second Helvetic Confession, uh, written in the, in the 1560s, uh, a, Reformation, a post-Reformation, a Second Reformation mm-hmm. uh, confession, says that the preaching of the Word is the Word of God, mm-hmm. and, of course, that that phrase there has has been a bit controversial uh, at times, because people say, well, what do you mean? Because when the pastor is explaining it, his actual words aren't inspired. Only the text he preaches is inspired, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do we do with that? Well, uh, the point that's being made here is that as the Bible is being faithfully preached, we must receive it as the Word of God. Amen. Uh, we're not saying that the pastor's explanation uh, of the text or so the pastor's actual words are inspired, as are the apostolic and prophetic word that comes from the Bible. Mm-hmm but we still must receive it right. as the word of God, authoritative uh, in our lives. So, so the question is, how are we approaching the preaching of the word? Are we saying, oh, that's just, you know, I, I've said it before, but, you know, when, when people after a sermon say, you know, thank you for your message, John. I understand why they're saying that, okay? Mm-hmm. But I hope it's not my message. <laughs> I hope it's not mine. I, I hope that what I've done is faithfully communicated to you God's message that is found uh, in his word. Um, so it is the word of God. So if, if, if you walk away from the sermon and you don't like something that the pastor has said, but what the pastor has said is from the scripture and it's truly the word of God, then your, 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 your fight is with the Lord. Amen. It's not with any individual minister, right?
1: We were just talking yesterday that ministers are, are heralds. They, we bring the message from God to God's people. Uh, and that's it. We don't change it. We don't alter it. We don't say this is my interpretation of what uh, of what this message says. Mm. Um, no, we preach the word. Yes. Uh, and and that's it. Um, it's it's a simple calling in terms of its uh, in terms of explaining what it is we're doing. Mm. <laughs> the execution is not always simple, um, but that's it. Uh, we don't add to it. We don't take away from it. And That's why it's important for the the. Uh, the, the, those who receive the word, who hear the word, that they examine what they hear by the scriptures, that they are ready in their minds to receive it. Because um, not every preacher takes that task seriously and, and or not every preacher understands that his task is to be a herald mm-hmm. and not a, a, an interpreter or a, or
0: or a some, translator. Or a translator, yeah. right. No I, way to say that. Right. Several years ago I was listening to um, a pastor that I knew was an Armenian. Mm-hmm. uh preach from Ephesians 1, <laughs> and he read the whole text for, for his sermon, so I think 3 through 14, Right. and I was thinking, what is he going to do with this, <laughs> and I'll tell you, he did so many gymnastics, yeah. uh, bouncing yeah. around yeah. Those, those very clear verses right. about God choosing us before the foundation yeah. of the world and predestinating us. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and 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 these these clear truths that are found there, he he just did gymnastics to bounce over and around them, and and he just didn't deal with them. And and my thought was, if anybody had their Bibles open, and they were following along, they would know immediately that he is not honestly dealing with this text. Yeah. Wow. And uh, and that needs to be. True for every church. Yes. Uh, we all need to have our Bibles open so that we can keep our ministers accountable, and so that we can also be encouraged um, with what we are learning mm-hmm. from the Bible—phrases, clauses, words that perhaps you never noticed before. You will notice more clearly with your Bible open and following along, like the uh, the Berean. So this is the preaching of the Word of God is the Word of God. That's a that's a Reformation. Uh, emphasis Um, we're also to uh, meditate upon it what what should we meditation is a lost art among
2: many modern uh, people just in general not just Mm -hmm. uh, among Christians it's a lost art in general because there's a mile of a difference between hearing something and essentially digesting and chewing it and so there's an old Puritan book called The Art of Divine Meditation. If you're interested, just go on monogism.com or purchase the book from The Banner of Truth, probably. But the basic idea of meditation from there is that you get the picture of, think of a cow slowly chewing the cud, mm-hmm. slowly chewing it, digesting, pondering. Think of what happens when you hear something that really piqued your interest. You bounce it back and forth in your head. You think about it. It, you go, it goes through your heart, back to your head, back through your heart, back to your head.
0: So, what you're talking about and is different than Eastern meditation. Yeah, that's, Eastern is meditation a, is, is a, the a,
2: emptying of the mind. The emptying
0: of the mind. Christians don't do no, that. The mind meditation
2: our is filling and focusing the mind on the particular uh, object that you're examining. And so, in this particular case, the reason that you're called to meditate is because Jesus' parables. Take yeah. heed of the things you hear because it could slip from you, or as in the parable of the, of the uh, sower, it can be taken from you by the enemy. Right. And the point is, if you're not engaging in that meditation, it's not surprising that a four days after the sermon, you have no idea what was said. <laughs> That's not accidental. It's, not, it's because you're not chewing, digesting, pondering, and reflecting. Why is that there. so
0: hard in our day? Why is, why is this art of meditation so difficult in our day? Because it really is difficult nowadays. Why is that? It's so many distractions. Um,
1: we've talked shit. already about modern technology and, and the distractions that those provide. Just the um, the the idol of entertainment of needing to be entertained. I've I've worked my eight-hour day. I go home and, and sit in front of the television for three hours and then go to bed. Right. That's that that's uh, far too common in in the American household.
2: Yeah. It's, it's connected to attention span issues. Yeah. Um, meditation and attention span require one another. Uh, your attention span grows when you force yourself to ponder something for a period of time. But also the opposite is true. Yeah. If you're not actively taking the time to meditate, you're going to lose your attention span. Mm-hmm. And hence, they are tied into each other. And that's why one of the basic things you must do to improve it is to at least go back over something more than once. There's a there's a lot of neurological studies on this just in terms of the mind where um you remember about fifteen percent of what you hear, you remember about thirty percent of what you read, you remember about fifty percent of what you hear and read, and you remember seventy percent of something you hear, read and do or apply. And The application of meditation is those three, hearing, reading, applying, and then going back and forth yeah. through it. And then
0: also uh, discussing it is yes. a very helpful thing. Yeah. I, I find personally that yeah. in addition to those emphases, Gabe, you just mm-hmm. mentioned uh, discussing it, which here the, the Westminster divines say, and confer of it, which just mm-hmm. means to discuss it. And they, they, they um, point us to Deuteronomy 6, yes. 6 and 7, uh, and these words which I commanded you this day shall be in your heart and you shall teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And mm-hmm. so here we have uh, the, um, uh, in the home, uh, uh, in while recreating, uh, whatever we're doing, that it, it's not an awkward or strange thing to talk about the Lord, to talk about the things we're, we're, we're learning, to talk about them with our children, to talk about them with our spouse, and and so I find that some people they want to to personalize. They they say, well, my religion's personal. Um, the Bible says it's not supposed to be personal. It's supposed to be something that we. We, we live in community with and talk to each other about within our families within our congregation so theological dialogue things we're learning in our bible time things we're learning in the sermon mm-hmm. here we're speaking specifically yeah. about, about hearing sermons well so a good a good diligent hearers of of preaching mm-hmm. are required to discuss that preaching uh, that doesn't Mean just discussing the pastor's illustrations or the, or the the humorous story that he told to make a point. Like you're discussing the theology yeah. and the doctrine that you learn to encourage you and uh, to ask, what does this mean for our lives? How does this change the way we do things as a family? How does this change our schedule, for instance? So you hear a a sermon on the doctrine of the Sabbath, like, okay, do you just sort of you know raise your eyebrows and and look at society and say, well, that's not going to work, and just move on with life, or do you say, "Does the Bible teach this, and what does it mean yeah. uh, for for our lives?" So, so we confer it, uh, we we hide it in our hearts, as Deuteronomy six encourages us to do as well—to hide the Word of God in our mm. our hearts. That's connected to meditation. That's mm. connected to discussing it. Um, it gets lodged into our hearts and begins to transform. Uh, our lives and then uh, finally we have to bring forth the fruit of it uh, in our lives a good hearing of the preaching what is required of those that hear the word preached it is to bring forth the fruit of it uh, in our lives Mm -hmm. so what 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 connection is being made here
2: this is James chapter one Yeah. Uh, yeah do not just merely hear the word but be your doer of the word and then you have the illustration from James, the one who merely hears and doesn't do is like a man who looks into a mirror and looks away and forgot what he looks like or what manner of man he is. But the one who actually does do it, and according to James one twenty-five, this is the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty, continues therein. He is not just a forget- forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work or the word. And this man shall be blessed in his deed. So the reality is that there's a practical sense of you hear something you put into work. But when you speak of what the word of God is instructing here, it's spiritual. It applies to the heart. So it was not just enough to hear it with your natural mind. You press it down into your soul. And as that work is working within you, The task of you, the believer, is to receive your faith and to act upon what it commands. So this is why virtually every sermon that is taught has an application. It's a kind of, not quite a so what, but how do you take what you have heard and demonstrate you understand it. And the demonstration that you understand something from a biblical viewpoint is that you practice it and you do it. Mm. And that's the heart, I think, of what a good listen to sermon is. Do you actually understand it enough to actually do it. And you only do that when you receive it with faith, you receive it with humility and meekness, you love the truth, and you meditate upon it. That's how you get to the point
0: of, now I must do it. Yes, and, and remember, the gospel is good news that mm-hmm. we hear. Amen. It's good news that we hear. And so as that good news is announced, uh, proclaimed, Uh, heralded every Lord's Day in morning and evening worship through the preaching of of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Let us come to it with ears to hear. Uh, Let us come to it with diligence. Uh, Let us prepare to hear it. Let us pray for the preaching of the word, for the minister's preparation and delivery, as well as for our reception of it. Let's let's examine uh, what we hear by the scriptures and receive that truth with faith and love and meekness and readiness of mind as the word of God, not just as the word of man, but as the word of God. Let's meditate upon it and discuss it and, and hide it in our hearts and then uh, bring it forth uh, with fruit in our lives, being doers of the word and not just hearers. And that that is, I mean, is there anything more important than this, brothers, uh, regarding our piety, uh, being good hearers of the, of the word? And so uh, we pray that uh, all of our listeners will be much encouraged by this and that, um, that uh, we will all uh, seek to be better listeners of the preaching of God's word. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we will uh, see you next time on Between the Times.